Good morning, Grace and Truth Church. I am coming to you from my home office. I really wish we could be together this morning, and I really believe that we should be, but the Bible teaches us that we should be obedient to the the government and the powers that be, and so we're going to do our part, and we are not a rebellious people, and we want to do things uh, that honor God and uh, don't harm our testimony about Jesus Christ. Just as I sent out in the message to you last night, I hope there are many of you that are going to be hearing this message, and I hope that uh, that it will edify you and uh, and impart some spiritual gift, as Paul says to you, that may uh, build you up and help you to help others with the same help you've received from God. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this day and for this opportunity to to speak your word, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that you love us, that you'll never leave us or forsake us, and that you will will pass on this word and, and into good ground, the seed of God's word. We thank you for helping everyone who hears us to receive it into good ground, to protect it, to nourish it, to help it to take root and bear fruit in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, obviously there are there's a lot going on in the world right now. This COVID-19 thing, we curse it in the name of Jesus. I do not believe that this is a curse from God. And uh, I know this one thing for sure, that God's people are not bound by any curse. And that the aspects of the curse, remember, were what? Sickness. Uh, premature death and eternal death or separation from God. And death comes in various forms. It can be in poverty, strife, divorce, uh, sickness, and disease, and, and all sorts of things. But Jesus became a, a curse for us on the cross, and now we have a better covenant with better promises. He, he bore our curse. Now we are subjects of God's blessing, which has been spoken over us, and we have received by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we, uh, when God looks at us, He sees Christ. He looks upon us not um, be, uh, as the with a. He doesn't love us because we are lovely. In other words, He loves us because Jesus is lovely, and what He has done, uh, we get credit for. And it's uh, you know, it's just a wonderful thing. Grace and favor, they may not, they say grace, favor isn't fair, but it's mine. So we want to claim that. We want to stand on the promises of God and believe. Fear is a liar, and um, you know, in 1933, uh, FDR, when he was uh, being inaugurated during the, the Great Depression, he said the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. And in a way, that is very true, you know, and they were brave people back then. I sit here in my office today, and I, instead of at the church with uh, uh, with many of you, and uh, I'm surrounded, though, by pictures of uh of some of our loved ones, my my uh, my mom, my uncles, my great grandparents, my big daddy. He was the 
he was the pastor in the in the family a couple generations back. Everyone loved loved him and adored him. My my wife's pictured here and and, and her 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 folks. So I I feel like I'm surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, just as the Bible says. Uh, knowing I know that they are watching, and and there are a lot of people who've gone through a lot more than we are going through now. Not to minimize those who are being hurt um, by this uh, terrible uh, sickness, but uh, we know and we believe by faith and by prophecy that this uh, pandemic, we knew that it was coming and that it would uh, encompass the whole world and then it would be gone as quickly as it came. So I want you to believe that. I want you to know that and see if the Holy Spirit does not bear witness to that. And, uh, and I think that there are good things coming. The important thing is um, to be encouraged and uh, and know that that Jesus said I've come to bring life and 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 that more abundantly to you not not to to harm you or to hurt you in any way it's the devil the thief that comes to steal kill and destroy that's from John ten ten and um, so we need to separate that and just simplify it down to the fact that a good God bad devil and uh, and so God is not putting uh, this on you to teach you a lesson. And that if, especially if you belong to Christ, you are not subject to any aspect of the curse. Um, you know, the important thing to me is, is what are people doing with this, with this time? Uh, a, a lot of folks uh, are completely, really unaffected at this time. Thank God, uh, many are affected. And believe me, uh, we are praying for them and believing for everyone to be healed and whole and for this to pass very quickly. But those of us that really are not affected by sickness, but are just sort of have some, a lot of extra time, although I've been working, uh, I know that um, there are probably many like me that just continue to work and, uh, and have been able to do so, but others have time that they don't generally get. So what are we doing with that time? Are we spending quality time with the Lord and in prayer and in the Word and with our family and encouraging other folks on the phone, even if we, if we can, or offering help? In whatever way we can but prayer is very powerful and believe me you don't have to go anywhere to help people you can sit right there in your prayer closet and pray and God hears the prayer of the righteous and they are powerful and you know we don't want to be one of those who's driving around from place to place uh, hoarding all the toilet paper and non-perishables and and uh, perpetuating the fears and the what-ifs you know, worry, I say, is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. So we don't want to be one of those people that are participating in that. And my wife and I, we, um, you know, I, I've always believed in being prepared and 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 uh, for things like that. We have a generator in our home. I'm not opposed to to having a certain amount of uh, non-perishables and water and things like that. That just that's just wisdom tells you that, you know. That but. Uh, but to get into fear and to to hoard and to do uh, things that are really harmful to others um, is, is really not wise. And my wife and I made up our mind we were not going to participate in that. We were going to uh, do the, the right things to, to be wise and, and smart, but uh, we weren't going to get into fear and, and worry and, and doubting God's promises. Instead, we're going to stand on his promises and just... And we try to be a blessing and and uh, encourage everyone and be encouraged ourselves uh, because we we have God. Um, matter of fact, I'm thinking of a scripture in Matthew uh, when uh, Jesus was considered the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew six uh, thirty three. Let's see. 
he's talking about this, and, and, and I'll back up a little bit. He says, uh, if God clothes the grass of the field, uh, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the unbelievers, seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Verse 33 is where I was going. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In other words, and then 34 says, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, we are supposed to walk and and rest in the rest that Jesus has provided um, and to just rely on the promises of God and trust in Him. God has brought you this far, and He's going to bring you all the way. Amen. So that that is a powerful passage of Scripture, Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Don't worry about all these other things. Uh, when other people get into fear, you know, when things go south, don't go with them. You know, don't fall apart like a three dollar suitcase when things. Uh, get a little sketchy, and um, it might look a little worse for a time, but it will, it will pass. This too shall pass. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. So, you know, just the other day, based on the fact that we had purposed in our hearts not to get into fear and worry and doubt, I was at the grocery store um, just uh, two days ago, and I, I just wanted to get a couple things that we needed, like always, and... Uh, and the shelves were pretty bare, and always, as always, the uh, the uh, the paper aisle was empty <laughs> and things like that. But I was just really there to get a couple other things, and I met um, um, a woman and her husband on the uh, sort of the uh, seasoning aisle, and uh, she 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 just stopped and talked to me, and she says, you know, have you ever tried this chili? It was a terlingua chili mix, which I'm, I, I sort of pride myself. I'm a Texan. I like to make my own chili from scratch, but hey, you know, some of those guys that have won these contests and learned how to package uh, their, their, their mixes, they do a good job. So sometimes in a pinch, it's, it's great to try their stuff, and I have to admit, it's, it's generally better than mine. So anyway, I said, no, I hadn't tried it. I said, but I'm glad you told me. She said, this is the best chili we ever had. My husband said so, and we just made it. I said, I'm going to I'm gonna get some. I said, and as soon as they have meat again, uh, hamburger meat, I'll get some, and we'll, we'll, we'll try it out. So thanks for telling me. And, um, and she, a couple minutes later, I see her and her husband again. They're pushing their carts, and she hands me uh, a, a package of... Uh, uh, of of lean uh, ground beef that that she had uh, one of several she had in her basket she said they just put some out but people were snatching them up and she had them and she wanted to give me one and I said no no not at all and she goes no we won't want to it's it's that time and, and it make us feel great if you would take it I said well thank you and God bless you so I didn't have to do anything it just came to me and then I, I a few hours over I was getting a soft drink and. And I walked around the corner, and there was a lady standing there by a big pallet, and she picked up a giant thing, a 36 roll of Cottonelle uh, toilet paper, and she looked at me, and she goes, do you need this? And I said, "Uh, wow, I said, I didn't think they had any. She goes, well, here, take this. 
And I said, are you serious? And she goes, yeah. She goes, here, take this. And, she, and then she picked up another one. She goes, I have a friend who's been looking at it and been able to find any or get any. And I'm take this one to her. And I said, well, then why don't you keep this? And she goes, no, I'm fine. You take that. I think I think you're supposed to have it. And I said, wow, that's awesome. Thank you. And uh, and so there it was. I was fixed up and I didn't I didn't go looking. I didn't go worrying. And, um, and I was really blessed by that. So I just thought that was a great example of how God just, you know, when you, when you, when you purpose in your heart not to get into fear and doubt and worry, God, he enjoys that. And he loves to take care of his children. No, especially when he knows you're depending on him. And like, like the scripture says, he knows what you need and he loves to take good care of his children. He loves to give us good things. He loves to give us the Holy Spirit when we ask. And, um, it's important that we pray and ask for things, not because he wouldn't give them to us anyway, but when we ask him and we, in prayer, um, then we know who to thank when we get it. And we shouldn't ever forget to be thankful because God is on the throne. He will never leave us or forsake us. Amen. Psalm 46, 1 is very powerful. It says that God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. That's a scripture. If you don't have that underlined in your Bible, maybe you should should think about that. Maybe stick it on your refrigerator. It's, it's a powerful, powerful scripture. If you look at scripture as you should through new covenant lenses where all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. So anything you see in the Bible that God has done for one, he's no respecter of persons. If he did it for one, he'll do it for you. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. But, you know, uh, all the bad things in the old covenant, the curses and, and the aspects of all the of death and, and the legalism and all that, we have been freed and delivered from that. We have a better covenant with better promises. So only the good is ours and we don't have to accept we can reject all the aspects of the curse and the negative so god is our refuge and our strength he's like a he's like a a big safe house to run into and and he is our strength our power he that's where we get our power from the holy spirit and he's an ever-present help in in times of trouble so that means he's always there just as the bible says in the old covenant and in the new in hebrews it says jesus will never leave us never forsake us so that's very comforting right now i as many have uh, probably been teaching and talking a lot to their 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 flocks about uh, psalm 91 i just want to read that right now to you and i want you if you would to just uh, maybe if you're listening to this just close your eyes and lift your hands as if god is going to put something into your hands and receive this and take it very personally. Just receive this as if God is speaking this over you because he is. And receive it by faith and know that he meant this for you. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence, he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. 
You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. I have this written on my sidewalk in my, in my front door to remind me in my three-year-old granddaughter's purple chalk, right as you come into our front door. No plague shall come nigh our dwelling, and that is for you as well. For he will command his angels concerning you and guard you in all your ways. Lord, open up their eyes. Help them to see. Lift the veil. Help them to see in the spirit that you are working. You are with them. You will never leave them or forsake them. You have assigned angels to encamp round about them to protect them and help them. Verse 11. Excuse me. Verse 11. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That him I'm talking about is you. You, brother, you, sister, God loves you. He's with you. He's there to protect you, to be an ever-present help in times of trouble. Again, according to Psalm 46.1. Isaiah 26.3 says, God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him because we trust in him. So let's keep our mind focused on things above and not on things below, on the promises of God and on on the gifts of God and not on the things that are going on in this earth. And watch, you'll see things begin to change. Ephesians chapter 4 and chapter 5 are are some instructions to uh, believers, and um, I would encourage you to read those. Um, I'm going to... Maybe touch on a few of those. I feel led to um, sort of get off here, but off track to um, to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. So anyway, I'm looking at my Bible here. Ephesians chapter 4. He's talking about unity in the body and how Jesus, when he ascended, he gave all the ministry gifts to, to the church, basically. Um... And he's saying here to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So that's the job of me and and others who have been called into the ministry to equip you, the saints of God, for the work of the ministry, for, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are called to a new life in Christ, and we're called to put off the old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and and is corrupt through its deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, and to put on the new self, 
it, it's a it's a it's a there's a part for Christians to play. It's a relationship, and it's a choice. We still have free will. We have nothing compelling us to sin. We've been freed from sin, but now we um, we have nothing compelling us because that sin nature is gone. Nothing compelling us to look and act like the world and to get into fear and sin with them. We can sin with the best of them, but it's a choice now. Nobody is forcing you, and no one has the ability. Or the power over you. And that should be comforting to Christians. So we need to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Through the word of God. And with the help of the Holy Spirit. And to put on the new self. Created after the likeness of God. In true righteousness and holiness. Hallelujah. I want to look on to, to verse uh, 5. It says. Uh, um, in, in I mean, chapter 5, verse 1, But therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. <clears throat> Go down to verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Remember what we were talking about. How are we going to choose to spend this time? Are we going to stand in faith? Jesus said, you know, we're called as Christians to live a life of faith. The righteous shall live by faith, the Bible says. And Jesus sadly said, when I return, will I even find faith in the earth? And we want to say, yes, you will, Lord. We're going to be standing and waiting for you with your help. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand that the will, what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the high above all highs, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in the heart, uh, melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always. There's another thing to be thankful and just to edify each other for the common good, um, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know... At this time, I, I, I really, the Lord has been showing me that it, now more than ever, there are going to be changes, not only in this country, but in the world and in the, the body of Christ. Without the church, the world is lost. And as soon as the, uh, the church is gone, um, then that's it. So, you know, think of all the loved ones and friends and, 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 and people that you know that you don't really know or don't think have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, you know, uh, I'm a firm believer that the, the gospel is to be shared and not shoved. But at the same time, you should always be praying for windows and doors of opportunity to share your testimony about what God has done in your life. And so I just encourage you. But uh, one of the big things is that sometimes Christians aren't being taught um, correctly. They're not being fed properly. And the Lord deals very harshly with um, with with those uh, teachers um, in Ezekiel chapter 34, and it's something that made a big impression on me. God used it to to kind of uh, give me a wake up call when he was um, when I was sort of battling back and forth whether I was uh, should, should that whether or not he should knew what he was talking about when he wanted me to come into the ministry. What do you need me for? You know, so forth and so on, all that nonsense. But anyway. Ezekiel 34, uh, he, Ezekiel is prophesying to these uh, teachers um, um, of God uh, in the Old Covenant. 
And I want to read that real quickly, and then I want to sort of show you how it applies today. The word of the Lord came to me. This was Ezekiel. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. Talking about the enemy. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. And then he, 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 he comes against and speaks harshly against those shepherds. But I want to uh, submit to you that uh, he's, he mentioned a few things in here and they translate into the new covenant and into some of the things that we've been talking about and working on uh, recently and teaching that are in place um, and available to believers. But he said that to feed the sheep, first of all, he got on to them because they weren't feeding the sheep. This is the, the manna, the word of God teaching. Um, you know, the Bible mentions Jesus teaching a lot more times than it that it that it mentions him preaching and i believe that god has began to deal in the last decade with a lot of those who um sort of um and i'm not opposed or against anyone but you know all the hooping and the the uh, theatrics of uh, ministry i think he's uh disciplining some of uh some of those leaders thank god i never had that sort of um flamboyant uh, personality because uh, I just uh, I'm sort of dull and I don't have that sort of personality but uh, but I always enjoyed watching those who do but I think that God is really after us to really teach um, and uh, and and um, and to edify and to bring along those in the body of Christ to to equip you uh, for the work of the ministry. So that's the first thing and then it says to strengthen the weak. Well, how do where does the power um the strength from the for the Christian come from that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think that's something that a great deal of the body of Christ is missing out on. And even those who maybe have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you sort of maybe uh, it's a once and done type thing, and you're really not walking in all the the fruit of that and the opportunities that come along with that. And we're going to get into that some more as the days and weeks come, the Lord willing. It says to heal the sick. That's just physical healing. To bind up the injured. That's inner healing or kairos, um, uh, freedom, comfort. Uh, to give liberty to the captives, of Jesus, as Jesus said um, when he proclaimed his ministry. Um, and he also mentioned bringing back the strays. I believe that he's talking about deliverance. Uh, from demonic uh, oppression uh, then he said seek the you haven't sought the lost and that's just simply evangelism and then he uh, he encourages us to lead with love and kindness um, and uh, to, over the flocks that have been entrusted to us so that is my goal and that's where we come up with the acronym for uh, grace and truth church help to heal empower love and prosper the body of christ and i i hope that um, anyone who is listening to my teachings or who attends Grace and Truth Church, that uh, 
I pray that God is using me to help you in some way and to build you up as he has called us to do. Because I really believe that that's the purpose of ministers and not to build a kingdom unto ourselves, but to help you to uh, to be enabled to build the kingdom and uh, you know populate heaven and, and vacate hell like we were talking about before. <laughs> um, last week, we I had started on the gifts of the Spirit, and I said I was going to touch on these um, little by little as we... Um, uh, each week as we move through. so I want to keep that uh, commitment to you and, and just continue on with the gifts of the spirit last week I, I just sort of touched on them and the the, the nine gifts of the spirit I read those from first uh, uh, Corinthians and um, and and uh, chapter uh, 12 verses 7 through 11 where, where Paul lays out the nine gifts of the spirit and I broke them down into three sets the revelation gifts which is wisdom the word of wisdom word of knowledge and distinguishing between spirits and then the power gifts which are faith miracles and healing and the vocal gifts which are tongues interpretation of tongues and prophecy and I sort of laid out the nature of the gifts, that they are gifts. They, they're not anything we can earn or work for. Um, they're available to all believers. It's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit who is normally invisible. But these through these gifts, he, is, he, he makes himself manifest and uh, in, in ways that we can perceive with our natural senses. And that these gifts are supernatural. These are manifestation of God himself and the person of the Holy Spirit. And they're on a higher level than than we can achieve by our human ability or education. And, and the purpose or the why of these gifts is so that God's sovereignty can be given space. God is in control or he wants to be in control or he is in control of his real church and he always wants place to be able to intervene or to overrule, to bring edification, direction, guidance, and truth into his church. And this is how he can intervene and inject his his uh, his will into the church, which is what we should always be seeking. It lifts us up beyond our, these gifts lift us up beyond our own natural ability. They are supernatural. And uh, like we uh, mentioned, that if you took apart the book of Acts, all 28 chapters would be, none of the 28 chapters would be left intact if you took out all the supernatural references. So Christianity should never be, lived out as a purely natural thing it is a supernatural faith and uh and that's how it should be looked at but the gifts of god also they confirm our testimony of jesus christ and they enable all believers to contribute for the common good so so those are that's sort of just in a nutshell what the gifts are all about and they've always been in the bible they've always been available to believers Sometimes they have gone unused and unmentioned, and I don't believe that that is what God wants. He wants his bride to be adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit, to walk in power and victory, and to help others with that same help that they receive from the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, um, let's see. I, last week I mentioned, uh, I got into the, the Revelation gifts, and the first one that I talked about was the gift of wisdom. I mentioned how in uh, in the book of Acts um, in the early church they had a there was some uh, there was a heated discussion going on at what they call the Council of uh, Jerusalem, and James was given a, a word of wisdom. He stood up, and it brought uh, unity back into a heated situation with. Uh, sort of partisan uh, uh, politics and, and ideologies and doctrines going on in the church. 
And God used this gift of uh, a word of wisdom through James, who was the head of the church in Jerusalem, to to uh, reveal uh, his his thinking. The mind of God was revealed into this situation to a confused and angry group of leaders, and it produced complete harmony, gave them direction and guidance, and it, and it uh, so it edified the church at a very critical time. And, uh, and, it, and it was good, and it seemed good to them, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit, and it was helpful. So, uh, as I mentioned before, the, the gift of wisdom and knowledge, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, are very closely related, but they're also very different. Word of knowledge kind of gives us the facts, word of wisdom tells us what to do with the facts. It's a, it's a guiding or a directive uh, 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 gift. So anyway, this week I wanted to touch on the uh, gift, uh, the word of knowledge, and maybe I'll get into the distinguishing of spirits if I can continue talking here, and uh, if you need to uh, take a break, if we if we go too long, uh, you can you can uh, stop and start again, or or just continue to listen, and uh, hopefully you'll be edified and glean some very great things out of this message because these are things that have definitely helped me and these are how I was taught these gifts uh, some 12 years ago and I have never lost track that this was God's purpose for us to be walking in these gifts and they're not this is not something for a particular denomination or group of believers this is for all believers and I believe no matter what situation whether it's denominational or whatever the, uh, boundaries that you have or barriers that you think you have, it's not true. If you will simply seek God about these things and ask Him to release the gifts of the Spirit into your life as needed for the edification of not only yourself but for other believers and uh, even for non-believers, you, you, you will find that He will begin to open your eyes and show you that these things are for they're they're relevant for now and especially for now. I would say in these end times. Um, so let's look at the gift of knowledge. I want to, um, just say, um, by giving an example, let's look in Acts chapter four and I'm just going to read and give you example of the word of knowledge, um, as it's written down in the Bible. And you probably recognize this passage of Scripture. Acts chapter 4 goes to verses uh, 34 and 35. Uh, this is just talking about the early church and um, and how it was growing. It was growing and um, they were all coming together daily. The church was growing. It was spreading like wildfire. And it says, and with great power, the apostles, this is uh, chapter 4, verse uh, 33. Um, I'll back up. Verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. This is just unity. There was extreme unity in the early church. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as as any had need. Listen, this is not a... uh, 
This is not condoning socialism, <laughs> in case you're wondering. This was just something that every uh, these believers uh, that were coming together, they were being built up and edified in the early church, and the church was growing. And everyone, uh, these were not gifts of compulsion, you understand. This was the, just uh, free will offerings, and uh, it's just something that was going on for a time there. And that's not the point of this story. But I wanted to lay that foreground to show you sort of the situation and setting there. But starting in, in chapter 5, it says, But a man named Ananias, with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Then Ananias heard these words. When he heard them, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose up and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband, and great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. So here's uh, a couple of the takeaways from that. That was a, a, the, the word of knowledge working through Peter in that particular situation. And it's a very sobering uh, passage of Scripture. But I want to, uh, to tell you this. The, the sin of Ananias and Sapphira was trying to cheat God, was lying to the Holy Spirit. The, the truth is that they were told uh, by Peter, listen, what the land was yours. You could have done whatever you want with it. There was no requirement, you see. There was no mandate that they had to give anything. <clears throat> the people were doing this of their own accord. And what these people did, they contrived to lie to God, and they were putting on airs. They were keeping back a part of it, but they were saying to everyone that they were giving the entire price that they had received for the land, which they didn't have to do, but they did. And the point that Peter was making was that they weren't lying to man, but they were lying to God. So Peter received this knowledge straight from the Holy Spirit. He didn't have people come and whisper in his ear and tell him what happened. He received this knowledge straight from God. And this gift, at that particular time, it preserved the church and it kept it free of hypocrisy. It kept it free of people coming in thinking that it, this was just another 
uh, sort of organization or religious group and that they could come in and put on airs and, and you know, maybe buy their way into a, a position or to be thought of more highly. No, he let them know through this gift that they weren't dealing with man, but they were dealing with God. And that, like I said before, God is sovereign and he is in charge of his church. And uh, so it helped to free the early church of hypocrisy. It came straight from God. It brought correction and it brought conviction, uh, not only on Christians, but on, on the unbelievers, everyone who was in the area and by showing that God was in control. It brought such conviction on Ananias and Sapphira that the burden and the guilt was too much for them to bear, and they just fell over dead. So anyway, the point is that it was a, it was good, not in the sense that these people had to die, but in the sense that it 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 sort of, you know, the 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 old saying, a stitch in time saves nine. So it sort of it, it cut it off. Uh, the head of this hypocrisy and this nonsense that was trying to creep into the church, it stopped it at the onset. Um, these these gifts are powerful, and they are, are good um, for the overall uh, benefit of the church and for its believers. In the Song of Solomon, in chapter 6, a couple of different times, uh, I know in uh, verse 10 and, uh, and then a verse before that, um, the Lord is referring to uh, the church um, and it says she is uh, awesome as an army with banners and uh, if you can just picture that a massive army with the flags and banners flying and waving and just uh, looking awesome and powerful and one of the banners of the church we believe is is the gifts of the spirit which can put fear and dread into the enemies of God. This word of knowledge through Peter, it brought fear of the Lord upon the church and around on, on the entire surrounding community. Um, you know, I wanted to just share with you maybe um, uh, 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 sort of a different look at this, because uh, I know that one is kind of sobering, but uh, a different look at uh, at the, uh, the, the gift of, of knowledge working in the life of a believer. In this case, it happened to be me. Um, some years back, when I was uh, when I was new uh, in in the ministry, I don't even know if I was uh, uh, a pastor yet, but I was being uh, raised up, and I had come to know the Lord, and I had um, I was out at uh, with my uh, rodeo committee, uh, where I used to be uh, quite a uh, you know I was. Uh, I was a, I was a big drinker and all these other things and uh, and then I wasn't all of a sudden uh, the Lord took everything away from me that uh, that I had uh, been doing that uh, all the overt uh, the uh, things that I had that had plagued my life for so long He just took them all away from me and I was thankful but here I was I found myself in a situation amongst people who had known me before and now. Here I was completely different. I was born again. The old man was dead. The new guy was trying to learn to walk in this new skin and to uh, and to uh, trying to navigate the waters of Christianity and how to share that with others without freaking them out and uh, 
and, and I know that in the in the Bible, Peter says that it, we, we, it feels strange, as if something strange has happened to us, and we're a peculiar people. And then he encourages us by saying, uh, "Don't worry, it's going on with believers all over the world. You're not alone." And so I was comforted by that, but I really didn't know much about you know what to do. I wanted everybody to know uh, what what I had come to know or who I had come to know in, in Christ there, uh, when, because I thought I was a Christian before, but I wasn't. And when I really uh, got born again, saved, I, I really wanted to share that with everybody. I didn't know how. And uh, it's sort of a common uh, growing period uh, for, for young believers. But anyway, I had a, a friend out there on uh, on my committee. I won't mention any names. A great guy. Very. I thought uh, I thought a lot of him. He was a really great guy. He's not on there anymore. But um, anyway, he was having a, a problem one day uh, out there. Um, he and his wife and his young family. They were really believing for this new house, and they had found the perfect house of their dreams that they wanted. They were uh, wanting to move into it, but there were some stipulations, and they had to have their house sold by a particular date. Otherwise, they were going to lose out on this other house and maybe some monies they'd put down. I'm not familiar uh, uh, with all of the aspects of the thing. It was uh, some time back, but anyway, he was. I remember he was uh, fairly distraught over it. He was really worried, and he was discouraged and disappointed. And uh, he explained it to me briefly. He said that um, they loved this house, that they were, had, had their hearts set on it, that they were going to get, but their house hadn't sold. And not only that, but it didn't look like there, there weren't even any um, prospects or contenders. There was just nothing in the works. And just right off the bat, um, something I would definitely not normally say or do, I told him, I said, your house is going to sell today. Now that's a bold statement and that could really get you in a lot of trouble uh, especially if it didn't happen and then here you're you know I, I know that uh, and I and I just proclaimed it by faith. I had a I remember having a grin on my face. I knew it. I knew in my heart, I knew in my mind and now I know that it was this gift of knowledge working in and through me uh, by the third person of the trinity the holy spirit he gave me a word of knowledge and i knew that i knew that i knew that that house was going to be sold that day and now it looked crazy to say that it sounded crazy and when i said it it sounded a little crazy especially since there was nothing in the works there was nothing pending and and he looked at me so funny i'll never forget and i told him just believe it, it's going to happen believe me that house is going to sell today you're going to have your new house and he went on about his business, walking around with some of the other people. And then I saw him a little later, and he came to me, and he had a look of amazement and joy on his face. And he told me, he says, man, what you have is real. And what he was talking about was something had happened miraculously in that house. It was sold, and everything went through, and it was uh, it was wonderful. So... Um, and then he told me a little bit after that, you know, we, I need to talk to you right away, you know, and then, um, 
you know, I don't know whatever happened, but I, the, the next thing I knew, he was volunteering and working at or working at at his church, and then he um, he resigned or stepped down from the committee uh, to to be more with his family, and I think he started a new business. I don't know much else, but and uh, I may never know, but until I get to heaven and see him there. But I know that I know that I know that God made an impression on him. I really believe that God was trying to to uh, either bring him into a relationship or strengthen a relationship he already had and to grow his faith. And he wanted to be a blessing to him. And he used me, and I'm, I'm just very blessed and humbled that he used me that day to uh, to share that. And it was it was true. And um, so it, it helped my testimony about Jesus Christ. I know that. And I know that in some way it helped this young man in his relationship with the Lord. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. Um, I want to touch on one more, and it'll be the last of um, the uh, revelation gifts, and um, and then we will move on in the in the future. But and the last of the revelation gifts is uh, the discerning of spirits. Um, this is a gift that is just simply gives us the ability to um, recognize, uh, identify, and distinguish between various types of spirits that confront us in the Christian life. And this is very, very important. If um, Please make some notes, write down some things, underline some scriptures if you can, but I'm just going to br- breeze through this quickly and then we'll be done. But Ephesians, I think it's important to, to, to mention this. And Paul mentions in Ephesians chapter 6, and I just want to see here. I believe it's t- verse 12. Um, say say amen when you got it. <laughs> I know you can't. Uh, let's see. Ephesians 6 and uh, verse 12. Yeah, he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places and then he goes on to talk about the armor of god and to take up the armor of god but he's saying that our battle is not against flesh and blood it's against the devil and his demons against the demonic forces that are are working against god and god's people and against the whole world and um and so we need to be aware of that. Remember, I tell you, the, the Christian life is never intended to be walked out as a as a carnal or natural uh, faith. It is supernatural. And this, what this is showing is that Paul is telling us this is our battle is not against flesh and blood. This is one of the first things that Christians need to realize to purify their conscience and to get them out of uh, bitterness and unforgiveness as well. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. The best thing can happen to your worst enemy is for God to get a hold of them and to change their hearts and minds because we all walked in darkness at one time and we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the worst the worst thing can happen is to anyone is that they would go to hell we don't want that for our worst enemy we want them to be changed and converted and to come into the knowledge of God and to repentance the Christian ministry is a ministry in the spiritual realm and the purpose of this gift of discerning of spirits 
is to is to 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 sort of lift the veil that exposes the spiritual world which we have to deal with to be effective and allows us to see as God sees into a particular situation or circumstance or see the condition of the heart of a person. In 1 Samuel 16 uh, verse 7 it said that man looks on the outer appearance but God looks at the heart. This is what he's talking about. God sees us on a spiritual level. God is a spirit. John 4.24 and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The flesh profiteth nothing. It's the spirit that gives life. So the, the, the purpose of this gift, as it's becoming apparent to you, is to sort of lift the veil and let us get into that spiritual realm where we can see what's really going on. And so, and then it, it also is there to protect us from deception. Because the Bible teaches us in uh, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And so this is this is a very real thing. Um, the enemy will come and he offers a lot of truth. He knows the word. And so he doesn't come in a red cape with horns and saying, I'm the devil and I'm just trying to get you on my side and not on God's. No, many times because he knows that people have a conscience and that they want to do good. <clears throat> and that there's a part of them that knows God initially. And so he will give a lot of truth and then he'll just put a little leaven or a little uh, lie into this and corrupt the whole situation. So his real purpose, though, is always evil. It's always destruction. It's always death. And um, But it may not appear that way at first. He may try to appear in a good way and confuse the people of God. So that's the other thing that this gift does. It helps, it helps people by diagnosing uh, their problems and helps us to, to, to see what is going on with other people. And so it's not just discerning of evil spirits, because we also have the Holy Spirit, and it's important to be able to recognize what is of God. So we need to be able to recognize what is the Holy Spirit. And then we also, it gives us the ability to discern or or distinguish um, between spirits. You've got uh, the spirit of man, or just the human or carnal spirit. You've also got angels, good, that are from God and that do the will of God, and then evil angels, fallen angels that fell with Satan. And then there are demons that we need to be able to discern. These are unclean spirits. So John one forty seven is a good example. I'm going to give you three quick examples, and then we'll be done. But um, hopefully this is helping you, and this is, it's coming across, or making the trip, so to speak. And John one forty seven. And go over there. This is Jesus when he met Nathaniel. And you might remember... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and uh, when Jesus began his ministry, and he was sort of bringing his uh, disciples, uh, the future apostles, on board, and, well, all fingers right now, John 147, I think is where we'll find that. Yeah, so uh, let's see if I want to back up a little bit. Okay, so I'll back up just a little bit. This is where Jesus calls Philip and Nathaniel to be his disciples. And so the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. This is verse 43. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city um, of Andrew and Peter. Peter found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found 
him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. They're talking about the Messiah. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Listen to this, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit or no guile. And um, so he, he discerned in him a spirit a clean spirit of no, with no guile, a guileless spirit, a, a, a spirit without deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So something very beautiful, very wonderful came through this. Um, Jesus saw him, maybe in a vision, maybe he saw him at a distance. I think he saw him in a vision. But he discerned in him um, through this gift of the Holy Spirit, the same thing that's available to you. Um, uh, this guileless spirit and it blessed uh, Nathaniel and it, it showed him um, that God was working through Jesus and that he was indeed the son of God and it brought him on board it brought faith it brought edification and it brought all um, of God and of, and of Jesus who was the Christ and that's a good example of discerning of spirits now let's look in Acts chapter 27 and let's see a different kind of discerning of spirits, a discerning of um, uh, angelic presence. In Acts chapter 27, and I may just have to paraphrase here. Let me see. In Acts chapter 27, Paul was on a, uh, a, in a, a storm at sea on a ship, and he was a prisoner, actually. And... Uh, Let's see here. Okay. So, uh, Acts 27 and verse 14. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running along, running under the lee of a small island called Cauda. We managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground on the citrus, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. It was getting bad out there. <laughs> and on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard uh, with their own hands, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of being saved was at last abandoned. So they were without hope. They were in desperate situation. Verse 21, Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete. He had already told them. He had already had a word of uh, wisdom. Uh, Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, 
for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, see, look, this is the other gifts working with the with the uh, discerning of spirits. Paul had been given word of knowledge, and he told them that nothing, no loss of life is going to take place here. Only the, we will lose the ship, though. For this very night, there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid. Paul, you must stand before Caesar. Um, Let's see. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So this is what the angel told Paul. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God, that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. So anyway, and then it came to pass, just as he said. But it's interesting that that uh, Paul was the only one who discerned this angel of God. This was a good angel, an angel sent from God to give, um, to give uh, information, to give... Uh, a word of knowledge and to uh, edify and to encourage um, these people. And Paul got some special treatment uh, because of it uh, after the shipwreck. But it just showed them, these unbelievers, um, I mean, there were 276 people in the ship and uh, and everything uh, worked out for the good. And Paul was the only one that saw that. I want to mention one more where an evil spirit was discerned, and then will be done. In Acts chapter 16, and this one I think is very interesting, because it shows what I was talking about, how uh, the devil will appear as an angel of light, or try to, um, and he does that to, to mislead God's people. Acts chapter 16, um, Let's see here where we can start. Um, Verse 16. 16, Chapter 16 of Acts, verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, excuse me, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. So she had this spirit of divination, um, and that is the fortune telling spirit. It's not of God, and um, it is something to be avoided. Um, it's, it's of Satan. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. It's interesting to point out here that the things she was saying was true. The things she was saying were true. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they had made a lot of money off of her fortune telling. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. 
They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or, or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Uh, listen, uh, the good news is the, an angel of the Lord came and released them and uh, and did some great things. And a lot of people in that uh, jail got uh, saved. But Paul and Silas were there um, uh, evangelizing this place that had been under the influence of uh, Satan. Uh, they were pagan for many hundreds of years. And this girl who was a fortune teller, was following them around, and she was really annoying Paul. She did this for several days, and he became annoyed with her. And let me tell you, it's okay to get mad at the devil. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but you notice he turned and he spoke to the spirit, the spirit that was in her, the demonic influence that was compelling her to do these things. But you say, it doesn't look like she was doing anything wrong. <clears throat> she was. It was the devil uh, working through her, and his his, um, his 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 purpose was to confuse people, and what I mean by that is, if if they could see this woman who they were used to, this divining spirit, this uh, this fortune telling spirit, agreeing with these men who had come to tell them about God. And the Messiah, if they could say, well, he, she's in league with them and she's just saying the same thing. It's just more of the same thing that we've been used to for hundreds of years. So see, Satan was working through her and he wasn't coming against them. He was agreeing with them. And, uh, and, but had, had this not happened with Paul, had he not rebuked that spirit and asked it to come, told it to come out of her, they, they would have been gone in a few days. And these people would have said, oh, these guys were here, but they were just saying, you know, she was the, this, uh, this fortune teller was just saying the same thing they were basically. And this is the same old thing. And so it wouldn't have made the impression that it did. So Satan's purpose, um, when when Paul uh, exposed this demon and rebuked it and cast it out of her, he revealed and he upset and, and uh, the the uh, the purpose of the enemy and he caused an uproar in the city and because everyone is under the, the who was under the influence of the enemy there uh, just went crazy and this is something that is is not uncommon a tumultuous. Uh, uh, sort of an uproar it came throughout the whole city and that was the that was Satan's response to his devices being revealed and and thwarted basically and this is not uncommon I say that uh, a lot of times when uh, people get freed from these things um, you'll see the enemy do his worst at that very time because it's just him sort of stomping his feet knowing he's got to get the heck out of Dodge but uh, he's a defeated foe and so we need to remember not to ever agree with the enemy and not to uh, let him come even as an angel of light when we know that it's not of God so this is something that was very awesome and uh, I think very subtle so it's, it's, it's important to know that there's lots of different discerning of spirits and I want you to be careful with this one also I've known people who thought that they walked in uh, 
and this uh, gift of discernment, you know, and really what they were were just a big pair of eyeballs watching everybody and what they really operated in was a spirit of criticism and it wasn't uh, intended, uh, it was intended for gossip and for judgment um, and that's not of God. It was not, God will never, um, the Holy Spirit, I, it been my um, experience that he never works inside of pride. And uh, when he knows that you don't have compassion and you're not, your purpose in your heart is not to edify or to build up or to help those whom he, he will never show you things in the spirit uh, that are uh, hindering people. Um, uh, when he really, what he wants you to do is pray for them and to help them to be free and to be edified and to come closer to him. So keep that in mind also, because um, not everything that uh, says it is what it is, is what it is. And we can see that uh, just from right here in Acts chapter 16. So anyway, I've gone on and on and uh, uh, over an hour now, so maybe I'll try to, try to uh, keep it a little shorter next time. But hey, if we're just sitting at home anyway and you have nothing better to do, maybe you can break this up into two or three parts and just listen to it. Um, and, and hopefully it edifies you in some way. I love you all. I miss you all. I wish I could see you in person and, and speak a blessing over you, but I'll just do it now. If you would, just every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to speak a blessing over you. In the name of Jesus, I declare that no weapon formed against anyone who hears this message will prosper. We thwart all the plans of the enemy. We command the enemy to stay away from every one of God's children who hear this message. We call you blessed. We say that the favor of the Lord surrounds you as a shield. We say no weapon formed against you will prosper. No plague will come nigh your dwelling. You will live and not die, and you will proclaim the works of the Lord. God loves you. He will never leave you or forsake you. All the promises of God are, are in Christ are yes and amen. You are blessed. In your finances, you are blessed in your bodies, you are blessed in your minds, you are blessed in your spirit, you are blessed in your soul, you are blessed in every way, in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for this day, and we thank you for all the, the good that you have. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we will not worry, we will not get into fear, we will trust in you. And if if um, if all they say about us is that we talked about you too much and that we 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 spoke faith too much and we trusted in you too much, well then we will not be ashamed of that. We love you and we look. We know that this is not our home, Father. But while we are here, we are ambassadors of yours. So help us to be edifying, to build up others around us, and to to share the testimony of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just ask that you release the gifts of the Spirit as needed in our lives to help us to be edified and to edify others. In Jesus' name, amen.